Purposeful life driven by endurance. Pat and Dan here with uh, episode nine and getting to catch up on a lot of stuff we missed. It's been three weeks since our last episode, unfortunately, with uh, the craziness of life, but we got some cool stuff to catch everybody up on and some cool stuff to talk about. How are you doing today, Pat? Doing well. Thank you. Awesome. Um, I'll kick it off with the weekly wrap up for my week, I guess three weeks now, uh, almost three weeks. I had some really fun stuff with grad school. Did I, my first project, we got two projects this semester in my linear algebra course. And uh, that was a really satisfying and uh, educational experience. Plus it, it got me kind of plugged in with a couple other students from my class who are uh, really, really fun, fun people, interesting to, to interact with. And it kind of gave me a, um, a little more of that connectivity as far as uh, distance learning goes because this is my first time ever uh, doing like an online format and learning so that was very cool to interact with with those those guys and uh, and actually one of them swam in, in college and so we've had a, a little bit of overlap and he's done a couple of half Ironman so we've had a, a fun uh, fun little similar basis there but uh, but that project specifically was really cool because it taught me um, a markup language called latex, which is the way you can present, um, academic papers. So like take concepts, put them into a paper format. And so you can, uh, you know, write, that's what you would use to write up, uh, I don't know, like a mathematical paper or something that's going to go into journal. It's also the way you'd write up a thesis and it's, it's a way to cleanly present like homework and stuff for, um, for any of your classes, which is going to be really helpful for the rest of my grad school experience. And then on top of that, um, got to do my midterm, which was uh, pretty challenging. I just knocked that out a couple of days ago and I'm trying to get ahead so I can have race week off here in a couple of weeks. And so that's all working out pretty well. I had last, last time we recorded, I was finishing up my second perfect week in a row. So finishing all my, my workouts as planned and everything was, was, uh, was awesome. I got to um finish up that that week with a a really awesome uh conquering of a, a course in Zwift the uh the bike simulator that I use it's called the Four Horsemen and it was a I think a 50 55 mile ish um course that had uh some really cool climbs it it encompassed almost 7000 feet of gain and covered all of the the climbs basically on the uh, on the Watopia uh, you know made up course there. And that was a really good check on my legs and making sure that I was you know in good shape. A good litmus test for my training. Um, so that was a big a big uh, feat to check off um, in my training program. And then 
I followed those two perfect weeks with two very imperfect weeks. Unfortunately, it was they were still very productive, but I drastically dropped off my training and kind of dug myself in the hole in that regard, which is very unfortunate. Um, we're having we're having a little bit of issues with our Discord here, Patty. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. You got me. I got you. I think uh, it shouldn't affect recording at all, but uh, but yeah, we'll keep rolling. Um, so during those uh, those two rough weeks, I was able to kind of tackle a work problem, which was in the form of what we call a white paper in the Navy, and it's uh, it's basically a proposal um, analyzing some aspect of of your sub community or or community at large, and and presenting like an alternate solution. And I, I won't get into the details, but it was a, a chance to kind of put some analytical writing to use and it was very much uh, a little more of a, I want to say right brain in a sense as compared to my left brain, like math um, <laughs> focus. They're probably both left brain in reality, but it was a cool way to kind of flex some academic muscles, but um, more writing focused than my, uh, my very math heavy uh, coursework so far. And then... So I, I ended up prioritizing a lot of work on that and took off a couple workouts, which in the, you know, retrospect was a pretty rough, uh, decision cause it kind of set me up for failure. Cause then I, I ended up getting sick and that took me out for probably four or five days as I kind of made my, myself back into health. And so I ended up just taking this huge swath of days of, um, of losing fitness, unfortunately. But, um, but that's part of the experience, right? Yeah. hundred percent. So no reason to uh, get too down on it. It's just a part of the journey. But, um, but right after that, I got the chance to go up to Annapolis for the weekend, a very last minute trip and see my brother. And, uh, we got to go to the Navy Houston game. That was a lot of fun. And then, um, he's an airline pilot with Delta and the, uh, the captain that he was flying with, um, his son came out and is, uh, kind of recruiting or not recruiting, but scouting different colleges and, uh, got to look at the Naval Academy. So I ended up doing a little bit of impromptu, unexpected, uh, recruiting for the Academy. Nice. Uh, talking about that, which is cool. Cause I hadn't been back to the Academy in probably a couple of years at the very least. I've been back very sparsely since graduation almost a decade ago. Yeah. And that was a beautiful and weekend so, for it too. Oh, so beautiful. Um, and I'll let you, I'll let you talk about the, uh, the coincidence there, but, uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was cool getting to reminisce on having somebody actually ask the questions instead of me just, uh, you know, reliving glory days. It was, it was kind of for a purpose, like uh, that high school student asking about different a- aspects of the academy and me getting to relive the glory days through that, that uh, telling. And then <clears throat> the last thing I'll say about um, those two rough weeks is I just, uh, I was having a hard time breaking the momentum of uh lack of of training basically like you know and we'll talk about that a little later but just basically building a, a lack of momentum and i ended up just being like you know what i'm just not even gonna record these workouts i'm just gonna go get some good workouts in and that ended up being a huge mental refresh for me and uh and helped a lot just taking all the pressure off of times and distance and stuff and just being like let's just go out and enjoy a run let's hop on the bike and just have a good time and not worry about it you know and just realizing that there's a lot of really good excuses that I could throw here of getting sick and 
writing this paper for work and working on a project for school and midterm you know exams stuff like that but at the end of the day you still gotta feed the beast and and get the job done so um, that's just a good reminder for me to you know everything in balance right yeah for sure and uh, i'm sure i could have balanced that infinitely better but uh yeah here we are two weeks two and a half weeks ish to go till my race and one week to go or a week and a half to go for patty's race so i'll kick it over to you patty yeah yeah um yeah pretty exciting stuff to be honest uh yeah so since we uh you know last recorded um i guess the big thing is that i had my 10k um I guess in regards right. to training. So yeah, it went well. Um, uh, it was out in Williamsburg on the Capitol Trail at the Chickahominy uh, State Park, I want to say right there. And, you know, in regards to what you can't control, all those things went well from the weather, um, getting to and from the race. Uh, my mom did show up, which was awesome. And uh, we, we started off with a nice little four-mile run, uh, warm-up, where she uh, rode her bike, and then I kind of just tried along. Um, so the funny thing is, like, the race, it pops out of the park and goes around the Capitol Trail, which immediately just does this climb on a decent bridge. Yeah. And uh, we, we, like, I kind of want to do a little bit of, like, checking out the, what the the um the course will look like and uh we pull out the park we look left where it's flat and you can go the other way away from the race on the capitol trail or you look right and you look at the bridge and i'm like all right we're going up the bridge my mom goes why don't we just go the other way like it's just the warm-up i don't want to ride my bike up the bridge (laughs) (laughs) which is so funny uh because you know we go out two miles we come back and she kind of you know starts charging ahead of me and uh She's probably a quarter mile in front of me and she gets to the bridge and she just gets out of her saddle and just starts going as hard as she can up the bridge. And I was, I don't know. Yes. I, I just, I'll, I won't forget that. that was, I thought that was pretty funny. So I guess I have, I guess my little bit of a dig is from her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the race started. Um, and, uh, there was this one dude who was probably like six, three. I was like, that guy looks fast. Um, and he went out flying. Uh, I was like, man, I run, feel like I'm running really fast. And I looked down, and it's like 4.45 pace. I'm like, okay, uh, throttle back, kid. And I was like, if that guy can hold that, that's respectful. Um, I was kind of given a little bit of insight that there was two fast runners from, I guess, the local Waynesburg area road runners. And I was told they were going to run like a 36, shoot for 36-minute Um 10k gosh uh well he wasn't one of the two he was another dude that last year ran it in 28 minutes um (laughs) so luckily i didn't stay with him um i kind of stuck with my coach's um game plan of you know after the 400 yards look down and pull back um but i was i don't know i was just popping i uh first mile went i think like 557 um and then second mile, I was like, okay, six minutes, which I did. And then I, uh, unfortunately, it was one of those turn around a cone again. So you go oh, out 3.1 miles and you do a, a complete 180 around the uh, the parking cone. But, you know, that's the way it goes. And then uh, yep. 
at this point, I kind of have two guys sitting on my sitting on my wings, <laughs> uh, or just off my shoulders. And those were the two gentlemen that one of the race directors had told me about. Those were the two gentlemen the race director told me about that are shooting for thirty six. And at this point, are you like has anybody else passed you, or, or are you kind of in second with that one? Yeah, uh, twenty eight minute guy ahead of you. Yeah, so that the twenty eight minute dude, I think eventually went like thirty two something. He. Uh, I saw him when he turned around, but besides that third and fourth are just sitting on my, on my heels and, uh, they pretty much stay with me for the first four miles, maybe first four miles. And then, um, the fourth place guy starts to peter off a little, uh, and then, you know, three and four went like five fifty five and then like five fifty. And I was like, all right, I'm still alive. And, you know, I, I felt good. I wasn't referencing my heart rate at all. Um, I was just purely kind of going off of feel. And uh, a lot of times the first signs of fatigue for me when I'm going that fast is my quads start to kind of talk a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, by this point, I'm now thinking, man, this guy's really just been sitting on my shoulder this whole time, just drafting off of me. Um, and... Uh, I mean, looking back, if he wasn't on my shoulder, I wouldn't have gone as fast as I did. But then uh, mile five, we went 540. And then mile, well, the last 1.2 miles, uh, I kind of held, I held second going into the bridge. And then as we were about to go up and over the bridge, it gets super exposed, so there's wind. So I thought to myself, yep. all right, I'm going to pull back. I'll let him, you know actually break the wind for once and because i was doing all the work for him yeah uh and i sat on his shoulder going up and over the bridge and then as we pulled into the park i was like well maybe i can kick well i don't have the short twitch i used to have and uh he absolutely (laughs) smoked me uh which is fine and i think i came across it like a 35 51 um holy cow uh, yeah, clock time, which equates to like a five forty-five mile. Um, so that was good. I, I was. Did you did you have any goal, or were you just you know whatever you did, you did? Yeah. So coach wanted me to go like six ten first two, six oh five the second two, so three and four, and then just gut it. Um, I kind of clipped a little bit of that off, and I, I I pretty much executed exactly what I did. I was just about five to ten seconds faster on each of the first. Uh, four miles um nice so like yeah. maybe a minute over over your goal or under your goal i should say yeah probably a, a yeah 45 seconds to a minute below um yeah what what the coach had asked so and it was i i think my last mile was my fastest mile it was in the 530s um so dude way to go yeah i appreciate it um so that was good and then uh since then for the most part, most runs have gone well. Um, I My longer runs, <laughs> um, funny enough, I was actually up in Annapolis the same weekend as Dan, and we had no idea until we were back yeah. at work the uh, the following week. And uh, that was a funny conversation. You were in Annapolis, dude? I was in Annapolis. What were you doing? Were you at the game? I was at the game. <laughs> and um, yeah. I had a nice 20-mile run on saturday which it was 14 at you know zone two easy talking pace in the last six at uh 
at marathon pace and man that hurt <laughs> that was a I bet. that was a pain train um friday night me and my buddy that i was staying with we got an airbnb in downtown we met up with this sponsor family and uh i had told my buddy evan i was like ev i'm, I'm not really gonna drink much i'm just yeah, i got these last two weekends are my big volume getting ready for the marathon and he completely understand he's an ultra runner and marathoner himself uh well i probably had uh we stayed up no later than like 11 but i had probably two more drinks than i wanted but that also comes back to like that whole balancing thing you know what i mean of like yeah you're training for a marathon but you're not a professional runner so you know like you're hanging out with a buddy you haven't seen in six years you're in annapolis where you went to school like you know live a little um so that was i i really didn't beat myself up for it i just i understood what consequences would come from staying up a little bit later and having that extra two drinks um that you know the run might hurt a little bit more but uh and mentally like you can't quantify it but like you said you know those opportunities don't come by as often as as you'd hope yeah yeah. which is my same mentality like i got to go see my brother on a whim you know and he lives out in utah so like i lost a little bit of training for that but it was totally worth it yeah yeah 100 percent um so and even that 20 mile run i actually broke it up into three three runs so i started I did went and did five, and then I came back to the Airbnb, and then picked up my buddy Evan, and then him and I did an outer together, um, and then went stopped at the Airbnb, and then went and finished up the rest. So I think I had another ten to go, um, but it was kind of fun, nice. you know. Like I uh, started the run before sunrise, and uh, my goal was to be seeing the sun rising as I was running somewhere either on the yard or through downtown Annapolis. And like literally right as I am at the top of main street by church circle, the sun's, you know, first lights coming out from the East. And that was so cool. Got a pretty sweet pick. That's awesome. So and yeah, for those who aren't oh, sorry. familiar with, uh, Academy stuff, the, uh, we call, we call the campus, the yard, which we may have talked about in previous episodes. And then, uh, patty talking about running an outer we call that the the outer perimeter of the of the campus which is what like a 5k somewhere around there uh yeah kind of depending on how you you mix it it can be anywhere from like a 5k to like five miles ish so yeah yeah but super iconic you get to kind of run along the seawall and you're looking at the severn river and out into the chesapeake and seeing all the beauty of you know everybody working their butts off at the academy yeah, and, and sorry, that was something I wanted to mention as well. It was just like when I was getting into the, the thick of things when I was, <laughs> the legs were starting to talk and uh, the heart rate was up. It was so cool being on the yard during that moment because there's so much stuff that goes on um, where <laughs> there was actually a PRT going on. And, you know, they're, um, they're on the football field doing cadence push-ups now, which is something that... that you know they're trying to implement into the big navy where they'll do like no way. I yeah know about that yeah so uh, for anyone that knows uh, there's this gentleman that probably the last 20 years major sean not sean Taj, major antonelli right he is now yeah, the a civilian PT guy. yeah he's the civilian in charge of pe physical fitness for the naval academy and he is trying to 
make push-ups cadence vice oh, no. just max as many as you can um i think it's cool so basically you have to do you have to wait until they say down to do your next push-up yep. yeah so up, instead of just doing it with down, your own pace one up down two and i think like you max you can do is 60 because it's a two second oh, yeah over the course of two minutes um and then there was other various sports going on you know i ran in myself and evan ran into these two kids that were training for the jfk 50 miler um which is kind of fun because i'm pretty sure evan evan had run 100 milers when he was at the academy so you know fast forward what eight years and you know or if you go back eight years that would have been evan running into some alumni kid doing a run um yeah it was it was really nice to be up there and um for 20 miles is a good spot to have some extra motivation to keep you going but uh yeah, yeah did that uh watched football for about 15 minutes and then did a tailgate for the rest <laughs> nice. um yeah and then i certainly had some training fatigue as well um works probably work's been you know pretty decent uh you know sometimes family can uh get at you so uh my sleep quality and i this is kind of cool where like i was seeing the performance of my run and I was seeing the quality of my sleep and I was, you know, controlling what I could, which in regards to, you know, good food, uh, reducing, you know, loud noises, blue light, whatever exposure prior to going to bed and like getting, you know, my eight hour plus night of sleep, but I would still wake up and my numbers were low. My recovery was in like the forties, fifties, sixties, and there was a direct correlation to, my running performance and I could even feel it. I, um, but you know, having that data really helped me come to terms with the understanding that the running performance right now isn't going so well. Um, and it wasn't until actually yesterday I woke up, I had like 85% to 90 something percent on my recovery from my, my whoop. And I went and had six miles and I did like, rate what I should be doing my, my zone to, um, runs at. And it, I don't know, it was, it was cool. It's just like, you know, just, just trusting the system, knowing why, you know, you're kind of in a down state right now and know there's a bright side on the backside. Um, yeah. So, and now like nine days out, everything is just, it's pretty much tapering. Nice, easy pace. Um, you know, really trying to do um, do the right thing of stretching a lot, drinking a lot of fluids, prioritizing sleep, um, and then yeah. So next week I actually head up to Wallops, um, and yeah, that'll uh, be good. I think being maybe not being in my bed won't help because my sleep quality won't be as well, but. Uh, you know, when you're up in wallops, you're kind of removed from a lot of the other stuff that, you know, takes place. Um, so. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, um, we're not roomed together. I'm not going on this one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that happens. But. Yep. Um, yeah. And besides besides the running, uh, things that I had done for my, uh, my Navy job, I had the opportunity to go over to VRC40 and do a unit evaluation. Uh, for anyone that 
that's not really familiar. Besides being pilots, we have what's called collateral duties. Uh, it's more administrative. And uh, one of my collateral duties is what's called a program manager. So um, when it comes from, you know, the standardizations of how to start up the plane to how to fly the plane and then how to execute certain procedures based off emergencies um, to certain qualifications and how those qualifications are obtained, I kind of go over there and I audit different um, different commands that fly the same airplane I fly. Uh, and it and that's, was, it was, that's a really... Sorry. That's a really fascinating um, and critically important job because our job here at the, the fleet replacement squadron, the FRS at VW120, is to ensure a standardized product, as in a student uh, completing our syllabus and going out to the fleet to then, you know, of course, they, they've got so much to learn once they go to the fleet, but um, but they get the the right tools coming out of, of the FRS, which is uh, crucial that that occurs. However, if you've got somebody who's been, you know, I don't know, a decade past their, their training stuff, like they've probably evolved a bit as a pilot in good ways and in bad ways. And so doing that, that audit, that unit evaluation, ensuring that they're standardized, you know, for the correct procedures and in the way that they operate is making sure that, uh, that we're basically as a community, everybody is, is doing the safe practices is, is, uh, doing their procedures the, the right way, which is, it's so important and yeah. it's a, it's a fascinating job in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, this was my first time going and doing the, I have shadowed pre- previous, um, for the kind of the turnover portion of doing these unit evaluations. And this is the first time where I was actually the, you know, the one running the show. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was gratifying. It was really cool. Um, I don't know. It was, when I got done with that, it, you know, it was one of those weeks where you look back and you're like, man, this is awesome. So, uh, that's too cool. Yeah. So that, that, that's my weekly wrap up. So, yeah. So nice. Yeah, dude. We'll move into thanking the sponsors and the followers, all of y'all for listening. Apologies again for our sporadic on and off of, uh, releasing these, these episodes. Um, it's probably going to be just as a look ahead with, um, Pat being up in wallops next week doing his race. And then I'm going to be in Arizona the following week. Uh, we should be able to hopefully get something done the week after that. So I guess three weeks from now uh, before Thanksgiving. Uh, but it of course is a crazy time of year with uh, all the holidays and everything, but we thank you guys for, you know, sticking with us and uh, through all that and uh, getting, letting us share our, our adventures as we're, uh, we're going through this training and, and all the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So. Going into, we've got a cool topic of the week that uh, I'll credit to Bob, Bob Ross, uh, one of our peers that we work with, another flight instructor. He brought up a great question um, as he's in, you know, his burgeoning running uh, uh, career, the the question of cold weather running. So what changes, what you need to, to kind of adjust as far as, as far as your, your training program? Um, and I thought it was a really great question and, and of course appropriate as the weather is starting to turn, um, at least here in, uh, in Norfolk, but of course, uh, could already have, uh, become quite cold elsewhere, <laughs> depending on where you're, you're from. But we were just going to talk about a couple different things and just have a free flow conversation about 
some different things to think about when it comes to cold weather running. Yeah. For the gear piece, um, what's like, what would you consider essentials for cold weather running for your gear, Patty? Um, for me, you know, the feet are already covered cause you have shoes. Um, yep. you know, whether you go from shorts to three quarters, you know, to, you know, full tights or, um, you know, running pants, uh, that's going to kind of based off the severity of how cold it is. Uh, now if it's, you know, 40 degrees out, I'm probably wearing a beanie, some gloves, some like thinner, um, running gloves and then just my typical uh t-shirt shorts and my running socks um but then even within like that 40 50 degree weather is it blowing is it raining um there's so many factors that can take place but say for now it's just it's a sunny 40 degree day where the winds are calm yeah i'm probably wearing um just some just some normal running gloves, a beanie, and then, uh, yeah, my normal running gear. Um, what type of beanies? There's, there's <laughs> uh, that you can go into depth as well. Um, there's kind of like I, these head this, scarves. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. I I use those even when it gets down to like 40. Some people wait till it's much colder, but. Yeah. I'm kind of a baby when it comes to the cold. I kind of I like the headscarfs more than beanies because I like the versatility of them. Um, you know, you can either just cover up your forehead, your ears, and it's more kind of like a uh, what are those called? Um, you know what I'm talking about? What is it? Uh, a balaclava? Yeah, maybe. It looks like you're wearing a bandana. Um, or you can, you know, pull it up and over your head and it covers your whole, the whole top of your head and your forehead and your ears. Um, and then if you start to get hot, you can pull it down and have it just up and around your neck. Or you can take it off and kind of put it around your arm. Um, and I really like the versatility of those things um, compared to just a regular beanie. But that, and sorry. De- depending on the distance you're going, it can be... Like it, a lot of people I think underestimate. I, I certainly did the amount of heat that your head puts out. Oh, for uh, sure. When you, when you get going, right? Yeah. And so, like I've got this one beanie that I'll wear if it's it's quite cold, like sub thirty. It's quite cold for me at least, um, and it's it's got like a felt lining. And that thing, if I wear if I wear that anything warmer than like thirty, then my head will be sweating within like half a mile. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and again, wind, wind matters, all that. But, but yeah, I've got like three different beanies that I'll wear depending on how cold it is. But, but yeah, keeping the head warm is very important for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So head, so I'd say the head in my hands. Um, and then if you want to do mittens, vice finger gloves, um, Personally, I think mittens work better um, because it allows for your fingers to naturally kind of warm each other up when they're in that just complete area 
vice their own separate areas with the fingers. Um, yeah, because then each finger is kind of its own heat sink. That's yeah. I cool enough. I stumbled upon these these Solomon um, mittens, and they're more like kind of windbreaker material. But what's cool is uh, you can peel the mitten back, and it just covers up your palm down to your wrist, allowing your fingers to be free. And then if you're you know your fingers start getting cold again, you just pull the mitten back over. Um, and you you kind of have the ability to um, regulate the you know the heat of your hand, um, and cool. and I think I wore them for the the academy run, which was in the forties or so, and I I really like that. I like the option of being able to you know peel back the mitten, let the fingers kind of be exposed, cool down a little, and then pull it back, um, and it did a great job of retaining some heat. So. Uh, I don't know the exact name of what they were, the style, but it was a Solomon mitten with a uh, windbreaking type of material. That uh, so those were pretty money. Um, yeah, and then yep. there's also a pair I have from Patagonia, where they're finger gloves, but in the wrist portion is a tuck away of a mitten windbreaker. So you can pull it out and pull it over your um, fingers. And those as well nice. are really nice. Um, so they're, they're kind of the same concept. One's a little bit more, uh, how's the way, how would I put it? One looks cleaner. I would say the Patagonia mm. ones look cleaner because you have the ability to tuck away the mitten, vice the Solomon ones, you pull them back and they're kind of flopping in the wind when your fingers are, uh, they're open. But yep. Yeah, they both serve their purpose as well. So nice. Yeah. Lights are also very important because obviously wintertime the days are going to be shorter, so it's yeah. more likely that you're having to squeeze in your run during a, a period of darkness or as it's as the sun's coming up or the sun's going down, right? Oh, before or after work. Oh, for sure. Like right now, the sun what sets at six and doesn't rise until seven yep. fifteen. So like. Yeah, headlamps are huge, especially when you're in these suburban areas, cities. I mean, you want to make yourself as big as possible to drivers because people are on their yeah. phones. Um, and it's I always run. I'd say that's the more. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna the the tip of always run against traffic. Um, yep. So this morning there was actually there was three ladies running and they're running with traffic and I I wanted to be like hey guys you probably should run against traffic but i you know i didn't want to sound like i know it all but yeah yeah <laughs> that's the point. yeah as a side note for anybody who isn't familiar so running against traffic is the norm uh it allows you know you to see the traffic and uh obviously respond if you see like an erratic driver or something but uh when you're biking you run or you bike with traffic i see people screw that up constantly oh, here in Norfolk yeah. where they're they're biking against traffic oh, yeah. uh, and then of course everybody runs with traffic so they're doing it backwards so you want to run against traffic bike with traffic uh, is the safest safest way to go about it yeah and I guess that's not as common as as you and I might think yeah so and with the lights you can either have like a headlamp type um, or there's handhelds as well um, both yeah. are really nice the the headlamps tend to be a little bit more stable. Um, vice running with 
the handhelds, you know, the lights going up and down because your your arms are moving. Um, but the the nice part about the handhelds and some this is just my technique. If I have a car approaching me, I will typically create a circling motion to kind of get the runner's eye or sorry the driver's eye from a distance i don't shine it on the driver that's you're just asking for trouble yeah. there but i'll just maybe 20 yards in front of me just shine the light and make circles get their attention and then just go back to normal running with the light and you'll see the reaction of the run of the driver as they start to approach you um and then i'll also do that when i'm running against traffic and it's a four-way intersection the car is turning towards me say they're at my like nine o'clock, um, I'll kind of shine out in the middle of the intersection and make circles. So it just uh, gives them a little bit more heads up because I would say most people that you know get hit by cars running will be when the sunlight is down. Um, yep. So yeah, and and also to to think about you know you've got whenever you're running and it's dark, you've either you're either early in the morning and, and somebody maybe just rolled out of bed is sipping on their cup of coffee as they're driving to work and they're, they're still kind of groggy. Right. So they're probably not going to be as attentive as normal. And then, uh, and then at night, you know, somebody coming home from work, maybe uh, distracted and, and thinking about what they're going to do when they get home. So it's just, uh, it's always important to be, be aware of that, but, but having good lights will help you with that. Yeah. And that leads us to the other type of light, um, that I like to wear. So like this morning I had the headlight, but I also had my light vest, which is, which is like a, um, reflective a material, si- right? So you can, you can do that. What I, I have is it's a no kidding. Um, it's these light tubes for lack of a better description that, that wrap around, um, both my shoulders and then it clips in like a, you know, any t- sort of vest, I guess. And so I've got, my entire and then I I switch it so it's like flashing so it's like flashing oh, red cool. and like multicolors, and so not only do I have my headlamp on but then I've got this this corded light that wraps around my whole torso and is like flashing different colors so it's like super obvious and of course from the front or the back so if if you know somebody is uh you know I guess on the wrong side of the road or something like they'll be able to see me or you know it'll just help them uh, pick me out as I'm trying to cross the road as I sometimes have to do. So you pretty much, you pretty much look like you have a bunch of glow sticks attached to you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the reflective vest is awesome too, because it obviously reflects any light. And so cars are going to have their, uh, their lights on and that's going to light it up maybe even more so than, than that vest would light me up. But, but yeah, safety is so important. Yeah. Yeah. um... Cool. Yeah, I think that in regards to gear, that pretty much kind of sums it up, and then we can. Uh... Yeah, the last piece of gear, maybe not think about it as gear as far as what you carry on you, but uh, the treadmill, making sure to leverage that if you need to, um, based off of uh, the area you live in and like how safe it is outside. Or maybe, you know, Pat, I don't think, I think I can speak for both of us in that neither of us have a ton of experience running on like ice and snow based on where we've lived. But, um, of course, if you live up North, it might not be nearly as safe to, 
to run outside with the like slipping on ice and stuff so yeah you know. so i actually have experienced that and uh there's oh, yeah? there's these things called crampons that you can throw on your shoes um and i and i was actually out in salt lake city utah and i threw them on over my my hoka trail running shoes um so i threw on the crampons i threw on some gators and i was running in like four foot snow you had, pl- oh, wow. you had plenty nice. of um you had plenty of traction they, they're they're pretty much spikes so like if you put chains on your tires you're putting chains on your shoes in a sense hmm. um it was a lot of fun actually uh, i really That's enjoyed awesome. it one thing that uh you one thing i experienced was sometimes the snow would actually build up on my heel and you know every hmm. couple of miles or so i'd have to just knock it off which wasn't terrible i was still able to go run so that was a win um yeah but yeah there there's these things called crampons um i can't remember the name of the brand off the top of my head but they're sitting in a storage bin right now somewhere <laughs> nice so yeah there's that. yeah if, if if you do end up using the treadmill then um that makes it one one nice benefit you can kind of trade off obviously it's more fun to run outside but but uh at least it makes it easy if you want to listen to music or podcasts like I really like listening to podcasts, but I don't like carrying my phone yeah. on runs, especially longer runs. Yeah, the, you can maybe use that as like the carrot, the carrot to to get you to go do that treadmill run. Just be like, oh yeah, I can listen to a podcast while I run, or I can listen to music, and then just have it sitting in the little uh, cup holder on the treadmill, uh, so you don't have to have it in your hand. Yeah, and if it's close to Christmas, you can throw on some sweet Christmas music or a, a movie. Yep. So I don't feel like a kid yeah. again. Um, there you go. But tip with the treadmill, make sure you put it to at least 1% incline. Um, yep. Studies show that running at 0% on the treadmill is actually simulation of running downhill, but running at 1% is equivalent to running flat roads because you kind of had that extra assist with the, uh, the belt going. Yep. Yeah. It's also really easy to get dehydrated. So remember uh, when it's hot outside you're sweating it's uh, a little easier to be like yeah i'm thirsty i should drink water um, and so during the summertime it's easy to to use that built-in mechanism of your body saying it's thirsty and then uh and then responding to that but in winter time it's very easy to to get dehydrated if you're if you're not kind of getting ahead of the uh, the problem and, and making sure you're hydrated before you run or you have your your um, water that you take on your run, whether it's uh, on a belt or handheld or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was running at altitude, and that's another thing. Running at altitude, it's extremely easy to get dehydrated. Yep. Um, so cold weather and elevation will, which tend they they tend to go hand in hand. The higher you go, the colder it gets. So hydration is even more of a factor. I even find that throughout the day that I will generally drink more just throughout the day during summertime, um, you know, at work or home or whatever than I will during the winter time. So I have to kind of remind myself to continue hydrating throughout the day during the winter. Do you have any mental, mental tips for obviously it, it can be hard to like get yourself out the door when it's cold and it's dark and, maybe the weather isn't ideal. Do you have any mental tips for 
getting stuff done during the summer or during the uh, winter? For me, I think the understanding that you know once you get once you get up and going, your body's just gonna start warming up, and it's gonna you know be more uh, comfortable. So I I, I think it kind of goes back to that that tip I said a while back of you know it's the first hundred yards that's the hardest. So just knowing that yep. that first you know quarter mile or mile of the run, it's gonna be hard, but eventually you're going to get into a good rhythm and feel comfortable and then just be super stoked to get that run in. Um, yep. So yeah, that that's, that's mine. Another tip would definitely be uh run with someone else because there's that accountability yep. factor. So if, the, if there's ever a, uh, you know, not as ideal condition to go run, those two things um, can tend to help me. And then the other fact yeah. that, you know, there's probably not as many people running, which I don't know. That's just more of a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it can give you that, that feeling of like, um, like what is it? The, that Longfellow poem, um, the letter of St. Augustine, you know, while I, I can't remember exactly, but the, uh, you know, while, while your peers are sleeping, you're, you're toiling upward in the night sort of, sort of idea that everybody else is, staying inside because it's comfy you're getting out and getting after it you know yeah oh yeah so one of the things that helps me is um you know it's it's generally really enjoyable to go out and run when it's nice outside and during the winter most of the time it's not as nice outside and so you can you can think about it as investing in your your next next year's fitness and so you don't want to be getting into shape and just doing these short workouts when you want to be to put in more miles or whatever when it's nice outside. So if you put in the effort, get yourself in shape during the winter time, then, then you can actually go out and enjoy your fitness during the summertime, which is a, a big plus in my book. Plus you get to enjoy the fact that your, you know, your heart rate's going to be a lot lower. So if you are doing that zone two training, you're going to be going faster on average during those winter runs, uh, because your heart rate's going to be a little lower for a given pace. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And this thought came to mind. Uh, one thing to also be cautious of, and this is more when you're going very long um, distances or for long durations. It's good, of course, right, to have layers and try to keep warm. But you have to be careful with sweating too much to the point where, like, now that sweat is actually pulling more energy from you than it is actually helping to you know keep you cool. So yep. uh, if you are to go do very long runs, I'm talking like four, five, six, seven, eight hours, a change of clothes maybe halfway through is um, highly recommended. Um, so that, that that's more survival than uh, comfort there a little bit. Cause, uh, but yeah, I just want to throw that thought yeah. out there. So. And that kind of goes for any distance of run too. Like don't, don't dress for comfort. The second you walk out the door, dress for how you're going to feel when you're at 150 beats per minute, you know, yeah. four miles in. True. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you should be uncomfortable at the start because you're going to warm up. And uh, I had a run, I think it was last week or the week before where I totally overdressed. And I think by mile two, I was carrying, carrying my beanie 
I was carrying my gloves. Yeah, I remember this. I had them off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was carrying my, my windbreaker. It was like, uh, I didn't need any of this. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I do if I, you know, like, I plan on doing this for Richmond is typically about the week of or, you know, the weeks approaching, I'll go to a thrift store and I will buy... I try to look for the um, the athletic pants that have like the buttons down, buttons all the way down the seam. Yeah. And then I'll get uh, some gloves and some funny looking pullover. And what most major running events will do is all the runners will wear these gear that they plan on, you know, tossing in the first mile or so, and then they collect it and donate it. Um, yep. so if you have like a big race coming up, that's something you take, you don't have to fear about like getting rid of and, Oh, I don't want to throw my sweatshirt away. We'll go to the DAV, buy like a $5 sweatshirt and a couple dollar pair of pants and some mittens. And then within the first mile, once you start to warm up, you can toss them, uh, complete creature comfort. And it's, it's not so much for the first, you know, mile it's the sitting in the corral for 30 minutes where you're cold. Yeah. Um, so that's just, that's, that's a, I guess that could have been a tip I should have done later, but no, that's yeah, good. that's, a, there's some, uh, some weather stuff for, you know, the first 30 minutes or however long you're sitting in the crowd based off how big the event is. Um, that's one of, yeah, that reminds me of one of the things that is sad about the Ironman distance tries is, you know, you have these special needs bags that you can have access to, uh, Specifically, there's one halfway through the bike or bike ride. So like 56 miles into the bike, on average, you'll have um, access to your special needs bag that you can have like extra nutrition or uh, change of socks or, or whatever. But um, but anything you leave there, because of the logistics of trying to get people's bags, um, you, you shouldn't expect to get that stuff back. So you generally lose a pair of socks in, in that bag, which is totally worth it to get it dry pair of socks oh yeah and it's the same thing on the run but um yeah i usually use lose a couple pairs per race for that reason but it's it's worth it and i just plan ahead to have socks that i can dispose of yeah cool all right um, yeah <laughs> i'll jump into the tip of the week that kind of fits thematically with what we were talking about in our introduction um and that is whether we realize it or not, all of us build habits, both good and bad, just every day through living. Um, if you focus on working better habits in your life and and maybe slowly eliminating some of the bad habits, then over time you're going to basically improve your your life in, in a lot of ways, right? So whether it's eating better or you know sleeping better, or just managing your time better, maybe removing one seemingly innocuous thing out of your, your schedule, the, you know, 30 minutes of watching TV or whatever, when you get home, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's exactly what you need. Or maybe it's, it's something that, that you can do without. And then, you know, you spend 30 minutes getting the house in order, doing dishes or whatever. Um, those habits can be really helpful and life-changing over time one thing that I really like doing is I'll do the dishes 
like first thing when I wake up mm-hmm. and that's very strange. <laughs> it's a strange thing to do, but like as soon as I get my water heating for my coffee, I'll just <laughs> knock out the dishes and, um, and as such, I never have a lot of dishes, so it doesn't take more than a few minutes. And, um, I, I just have this thing where I do dishes by hand. Um, so if you do a dishwasher, this doesn't apply, but like just as an example, that that's a, something that I look forward to doing, you know, when I get up and, um, I don't know. It's a small change, but talking about this stuff, um, in atomic habits, which, uh, we've talked about eventually kind of diving more into just, just one little example from that is, um, this idea of marginal gains across, you know, a lot of things are in your life are going to manifest as very significant gains. And, they bring up this example of the British cycling team in the early two thousands was, was mediocre at best. And so much so that there were actually certain bike brands that would not sell their products to the British cycling team because it was considered (laughs) too bad for the image basically. Um, so they brought on this, this guy who is basically his whole job. I can't remember what his title was, but his whole job was to basically just kind of like, see what he could do to to help the team do better and he used this concept of these marginal gains across every little facet of of the team's existence to to help him out and a couple examples of what he did is um it's like one thing he he had the inside of their um their bike van that they would transport all the bikes to these races he had it painted white and so they could very easily tell if there was like dust accumulating and stuff in the van which would then of course get into the the bike uh, components and stuff and uh over time degrade the bikes and and degrade performance so like that seems like a crazy nitnoid thing to do but but he basically did that across all the things when it came to like the the kit that they would wear their um their jerseys and and the the type of stuff the the massages they were getting before races or whatever the nutrition like he addressed everything and over the course of five years, they basically turned into, uh, you know, international powerhouse, and uh, and then over that next decade, they won the Tour de France five times, um, never having won the race in its history. They they won it five times in the course of ten years, and and did some really spectacular stuff. But I thought that was a cool idea that if you just improve a little bit, like you don't have to do anything crazy, you don't have to go out and run. 15 miles tomorrow but if you get out and run half a mile and then you do it the next day and you just build that routine into your life you're you're gonna get better over time which is a really cool concept yeah no i agree there's also a gordo burn he was a guest on the rich roll podcast recently and he he talked about a, a similar uh, transformation in his life where he was basically this uh, he wasn't an athlete growing up or anything he he was very gifted um, intellectually and in school, specifically with mathematics, and became a um, a guru in the financial sector. Became a, a partner at this firm. Was making tons of money. Lived in Hong Kong and uh, had this very unhealthy lifestyle. Talks about being an alcoholic and um, going out to the the pubs every day or the bars there in Hong Kong, and he just decided 
he was going to start walking. He was like, I'm not going to change anything about my lifestyle except for the fact that I'm going to walk to these bars after work. And then that walking ended up turning, basically lowering his alcohol consumption um, and then leading to commuting to work on a bike, hiking on the weekends, getting into some like serious mountaineering. And then ultimately he discovered triathlon and uh, decided to quit his uh, incredibly lucrative job to go do something he was passionate about and, uh, and race triathlon for a living. <laughs> so anyway, just some really inspiring stuff and, and how you can transform your life through very small, repeatable decisions. Yeah. It's kind of like a snowball effect in a sense, you know? Yeah. Good habits. Yeah. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer sort of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, that does it for all of our prepared content today. Uh, did we miss anything? Any save rounds, Patty? I mean, I guess the last thing could be, I mean, if with me leaving on Monday, the potential to, you know, record before uh, we execute our races, um, maybe updates yeah. on our uh, potential finish times. Yeah, maybe. With, you know, do, we had a little uh, bit of slumps we had or in these last. I love that. You know, what do you have? Uh, do you have a. Do you have something in mind? Um, remember last time was eleven eleven because that's easy to remember. But yeah, so so that's still my goal is right on. Um, sub well sub sub eleven uh, thirty. Okay. Eleven hours thirty minutes. Eleven thirty one is my my personal record. The course definitely has the potential for a PR. Um, if I hadn't gotten to this this slump the last two weeks, then I would say I would absolutely be on track to, to PR now. I think it's still totally possible, but it's going to be a little more, uh, pain in the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big one being the run, I think, uh, I think I'm good for the bike. I think the run I'm definitely good for. It's just the speed at which I finish it is, is the question. I, uh, I need to average around about a nine minute mile for the marathon, which I still think is very possible. I, uh, last couple like 14 to 16 mile training runs I've done have been between like 8:30, 8:45 pace. And I think digging, digging a little bit on race day, it's totally doable to extend that another 10 miles, uh, when it counts. And this morning I did a, a really easy eight minute, um, pace for eight miles that, uh, was really encouraging. So, yeah, going to your sleep piece that was coming out of like a 95% recovery with like a, a really nice, uh, heart rate variability and, and, uh, and sleep last night. So that certainly helped, but, but yeah, anyway, I still think I can do around an 11, 11. It's just going to be really exciting and, uh, not, not a given. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, of course. You, what, what are you thinking about for the marathon? Uh, so I still think 250 is, you know, 250 is there. Um, 245, I don't know. Um, because those last two big volume weekends, you know, I had a 20 followed by a 10 and I skipped the 10. I had a 17 followed by, I think a 10 and I ended up doing only 14. Um, seeing that it kind of pulled me away from 245, like after that 10k i was like yeah 245 it's there um yep 
So 245 is a 615 now, please. But I, I don't know if I have enough volume on my legs to maintain that 615. Um, and I, uh, I think going in, what I'm going to try and do is the first 10 miles, I will do like a 630, feel it out, drop it down to 625 for the next 10 miles. And then the last 10 K, um, maybe 615. So nice. Richmond has the opportunity to have some really good exposure uh, around like mile 15. You kind of open up back over the river and there can be a gnarly headwind. Um, and it's actually kind of like pretty hot here right now. So if the temperatures don't go down, I would probably um, kind of throttle back and, you know, just sh shoot for 250. Um Yep. But, you know, good day. Got a good little group I'm running with. Uh, yeah, I think two 247.30. That's what I'm going to guess, 247.30. Nice. So, uh, yeah. But as they say, time will only tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but That's awesome. Yeah. And then I can't wait for the two weeks off. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but it's been it's, I know, it's been such a cool. It's been a it's been fun to do a training block because I honestly haven't done a training block in years. So, yeah. Yeah. dude, I, I can't I can't tell you how excited I am for for time off. I feel like I've just been grinding, going through the the gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, our our own created gauntlet that we provide to ourselves with a smile, <laughs> dude. Self self created hurdles to to make yourself better. Yeah. They, they can still be hurdles, but, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a growth experience for yeah. sure. So, yeah. Um, I think, I think that's my state rounds. Um, stoked to start to be back on the mic. Um, yeah. So yeah. Do you have fun today, Dan? I had so much fun. Yeah. How about you? Dude, same man. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, I, yeah, I enjoyed today. So good day. Sweet. Well, for our listeners out there, if you've got any questions for us, anything uh, you want to share with us going into the race or um, critiques or anything, just go ahead and uh, shoot those over to CresterPodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully we'll get those uh, back to you if we can record this next week before um, before we go about our, uh, our separate ways in, in our races. But uh, other than that, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys.